Let me paraphrase John Eldridge. He says, this is what a man is. A man uses all his strength, all his influence, and he uses it to make his kingdom just like the kingdom of God. He does it for the sake of those that are under his rule. Welcome to King Me Ministries podcast. This week, we're going to be looking at David's most famous psalm, Psalm 23. Most of us are familiar with this psalm. We've heard it at funerals. We've, we've studied it in Sunday school. We, some of us have even memorized it. This psalm is very similar to the other ones that David has wrote. David will oftentimes make a statement or he'll ask a question in those opening verses, and then he'll spend the rest of his time answering that question or explaining how he arrived at the truth of that statement. So let's dive right in and find out why this psalm is so important to a man who wants to walk with God. I think it's only fair we start this podcast by admitting something, coming clean. I have always avoided Psalm 23, and here's why. When I was younger and in church, I walked by this girls-only club that was at at church, and they were memorizing Psalm 23. So I immediately thought that this might be off-limits to anyone who wants to be a guy. This is a girl psalm. But as you discover that David is a, an incredible figure— in, in masculinity, in the Bible, and you discover that he's absolutely the closest thing to a biblical hero that you can have outside of Jesus. You discover that he is a warrior. If you had a room full of warriors, he would lead those warriors. And he's also a poet, gentle enough to express his heart and his love towards God. So knowing that David wrote this, Definitely feel like it was time to put some some study time together and really discover what David was saying in this psalm. And so David starts this psalm by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And that is a profound statement. And it's a statement that does not connect with those of us that believe that we can live self-sufficient lives. This psalm resonates best with those of us that acknowledge that we have a need for a God who loves us and has concern for us. The Apostle Paul makes a statement in his letter to the Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying that the Lord is my shepherd. The life I live is is no longer important. The only thing good about me, the only thing that makes sense about me is the life that I live in response to who Jesus is and what he's done for me. Jesus himself in his own ministry, he stated in his greatest sermon, he says, and he starts it off this way, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is making it pretty clear right from the onset that the only way that you can have a right relationship with God is the starting point, the starting block that says, I don't have what it takes to be right with God. I need something that is beyond me, something that is outside of me. And Jesus is saying, you are in a very, very good place when you can start by saying that the Lord is my shepherd. If you remember the story of David, right after he becomes king, he brings the ark into the city and he celebrates. And his wife tries to chastise him. She calls him undignified. And why? Because David stripped off his kingly robes and looked just like everyone else. David was making that same profound statement. He's saying this. He's saying, there is only one true king and his name is Jesus. 
And here in Psalm 23, David, the shepherd boy, is stating that there is only one true shepherd, and I am under his rule and under his authority. David was a sheep in God's pasture and under the watchful care of the great shepherd himself. Now, did you realize that over 200 times in the Bible, God calls his people, you and I, uh, sheep? He refers to us as sheep. And that is a super cute idea until you realize that being called a sheep is not the kindest comparison. A little research about the cute little lambs, and you'll soon see that they are not survivors. They are not strong and independent creatures, not proud hunters or fierce predators. They're actually pretty pathetic and entirely dependent on a shepherd. Now, God calls me a sheep over 200 times, and that's more than a mere comparison. He said it enough that I should probably have an idea of what he's trying to say when he says it. And so here's what I've discovered about sheep. It's not my original idea. Other people have come up with this alliteration, but it's, it's, it's true. And so the four things that we know about sheep is they're dumb, they are directionless, they are dirty, and they are defenseless. They're dumb. They're not the sharpest animal in the barn. There's a real news story out of eastern Turkey, and this is what it says. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey. Plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in dismay, 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their death in a ravine near Iran, but broke the fall of the other 1,100 animals who survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss to local farmers is estimated somewhere around $74,000. So basically, the shepherds who are supposed to take care of these sheep, they're, they're more concerned about breakfast, so they leave them to their own. And this one bright sheep decides that he's going to walk off the edge of a cliff, and the other 1,499 think it's a good idea to follow him. And 400 of them die, and the other, they just provide a sort of a large pillow for the other 1,100. That's a crazy story, and it's proof that sheep are just not the most intelligent animal And as much as I hate to admit it, I can compare myself to sheep and admit that I do some pretty dumb things, and and so do you. And sheep are also directionless. They they are known to, to wander away from a shepherd. You can put them in an absolutely perfect environment with everything they need, and sooner or later, they're just going to wander off. No explanation given. They're just going to leave. If a shepherd doesn't manage them and keep them under the constant surveillance, they'll wander off and be lost. They need somebody to direct them. They're also defenseless. Sheep cannot defend themselves. They don't bark. They don't bite. They don't have claws to defend themselves. They are prey and only prey. They need a shepherd who can protect them. If not, they just get picked off. My 17-year-old daughter would kill me if, I to- if she knew I told you this story. So let's just use it as a test to see if she uh, is listening to the podcast, which I, which I hope they do. Uh, but when she was super young, uh, she was maybe five, and we're riding in the car, and she just poses this question. She says, what's everybody's spirit animal? And of course, everybody kind of goes through their list of a wolf or whatever it might have been. I don't remember the answers, but she, on her own, without being asked, says... Mine is a seahorse, and we just kind of cracked up, and, and we've never let that story go away. And she's 
super bashful about that, but I'm thinking in my mind as I, I think of sheep, what was it about a seahorse that that, that draws her to that? And, and uh, sheep are just completely inept at being able to protect themselves. Their protection comes from outside of themselves, from the shepherd. And finally, sheep are dirty. Left to themselves, they get so dirty in their in their coats, their wool, that they get covered with lice and maggots. The hair gets so long, it gets matted. They're just dirty animals, and they need a shepherd to keep them clean. And that sounds a lot like me, too, and it sounds a lot like the men that I know. We can be pretty dumb, directionless, defenseless, and we're just unable to get ourselves out of the messes that we make. And what David says next is nothing short of a benefits package for those who embrace God as their shepherd. And if you're like me, benefits package means something, right? When you start a job, it's not about just the pay that you're going to get. Sometimes it's it's more important about what's the medical, what's the days off, what what can I, what are the fringe benefits of working at this place? We all want to know what the benefits package is. And I remember my first job, my first sort of real job, I, I think I was like 12, and I had just kind of gone through the phone book, and I was like, I just need to find a job, I want money, and I called a ton of different places, and of course, nobody's hiring kids at that age. I finally found this equestrian park that was willing to hire me and my cousin to come and clean uh, horse stalls. And this was one of the toughest jobs I've ever had. We worked just like 45 minutes for each stall, and then we got paid $2 to split. It was not an easy job. There was no real benefits beyond just having a little bit of cash in our pocket. And while David's statement, his opening statement, that the Lord is my shepherd— we all want to know, well, what does that mean? We know why we need him, but but what does it mean? What are the benefits for me and and, and sort of yielding my life to his and, and, and living underneath his authority and his guidance and his care? And what we find in the rest of Psalm 23 is just that, a list of the benefits package. The very first benefit that David lists, he says, the Lord gives me rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, he makes me lie down. I think that David is intentional in his choice of words. He says, he makes me lie down. And why would God, why would he say that God makes him lie down? Well, it's because sometimes we just need to to be made to rest. We pride ourselves in running 24-7. We go, 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 go. And most of us live our lives stuck somewhere between off and on, and we never fully take time off and shut the engine down, and we're never really able to to turn it back on because we're just stuck somewhere in the middle. God knows when and how to make us lie down. How many stories have you heard about men who've lost their job or they've suffered some major injury or setback. And, and later on, after they've they've went through that season, they, they say that that was the greatest gift that God had given them. It was as if God had gave them rest, that God had laid them down. And one of the benefits of being a papa is this validation of certain actions that I did as a young dad. My son, who's now a dad of a toddler, he's responsible for nap time, and he often has to make his son lie down. Even when he fights it, 
it's great to see because it. I remember doing that when he was that age, and I would I would have to put him in his crib, and and he'd be like, "No nap, daddy, no nap, daddy," and I would lay him down, and I'd stand outside of his room until finally he just went to sleep. And God not only knows how to lay us down, he knows where to lay us down. The shepherd knows that sheep must um, feel safe. They, they must feel no tension between themselves, and they can't be anxious about food or if, or if there are insects crawling on their skin. A good shepherd knows this, and he knows how to find green pastures and quiet waters, and he provides the rest for them. The next benefit of God being your shepherd is that he restores your soul. And this is deeper than Jesus the shepherd giving you a day off uh, where you can rest and be renewed. It's, it's, it's deeper than the factory reset that, that we might think that that statement means. This has the idea of a rescue, the rescue of a lost one. It's the picture of a straying animal being brought back to the fold. The Hebrew words for restores my soul mean, they literally means it brings me to repentance. And even God's discipline is proof of his love. Just like the discipline of a loving parent is never to hurt a child, but to teach a child how to avoid dangers. We know that sheep wander. You and I wander too. Isaiah says that, that we, we like sheep, have all wandered and gone astray. You know, sometimes, and David knew this very well, when a sheep would take off and, and just kind of wander, the shepherd would have to somehow secure the other sheep, and he would go off and he would find this sheep, and he would grab it and he would bring it back to the others. And sometimes there's a stubborn sheep who will continue to walk away and wander, and it becomes this habitual thing where the shepherd has to leave the other sheep and goes and finds that. And when that happens, sometimes the shepherd will, will take that wandering sheep and he'll, he'll take one of his legs and he'll lay it across his and he'll use the rod that he carries and he'll just whack the leg and, and he'll break it. And then because he's a compassionate shepherd, he will bandage that leg and he'll take that sheep and he'll lay it across his shoulders and he'll carry it back to the fold. What an amazing shepherd who, who understands the danger that we have in walking away from him. I've said it before, sheep don't understand that the, that the wolf, the enemy that, that seeks them, they're not afraid of them. The, the, the wolf is only afraid of the shepherd and the sheep's job and the, it is only to stay close to the shepherd. There's this only hope of safety. On more than one occasion, David experienced this loving discipline in his life. God had to punish him, not to humiliate him or, or in a response of anger, but out of love and a deep commitment to him and to his restoration. And that's exactly how we, we have to see that. We have to see that God loves us enough not to leave us where we are. He'll love us where we are, but he's, he's always going to be working to restore us. And sometimes that's comforting. Sometimes that's uh, discipline. Sometimes that's even breaking your leg and carrying you back and putting you where you are. That, when you understand the depths of what he does for us, that should just make you stand in awe of the good shepherd. And the next great benefit of the Lord being your shepherd is that he guides us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Do you know that there are two ways to lead sheep? In most of the world, and even today, a shepherd gets behind the sheep and he pushes them where he wants them to go. And that's really what you'd call hurting them. And the other way to lead sheep is to get out in front of them and encourage them to follow you and and let them learn your voice and your mannerisms and, and they'll know where you're going. That's what it means to be led. One of the greatest quotes on leadership that I've ever read was from George Barner. He says, the difference between a leader and a con man is this. A con man will convince you to go where he's not been and where he's not willing to go. And Jesus is the the true leader. He leads us by going first and then inviting us to where he is. He never stands back and says, go here, go here, do this, do that. He's already there. He's asking us to follow him, not allow him to dictate where we're going. There's a significant difference there. And the greatest benefit to Jesus leading the way he does by asking us to follow him is that no matter what we have to walk through, no, some, sometimes we, we have a, a doctor's appointment next Thursday and, and we, we believe it's going to be bad news. And, and we just, we can have the confidence that, that Jesus is already there. He already owns next Thursday. He's sovereign like that, that he's never asking us to walk into the unknown. He's asking us to follow him where he has complete authority over everything. As he was getting ready to leave this earth, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Whatever it is that that we might worry about and we might be anxious about, we can understand that the good shepherd is saying, hey, I'm already there. I've already worked out a plan for that. I'm never going to be surprised by your circumstances. I'm never going to be caught off guard. I have a plan. I'm already there where you fear going. But just trust me and follow me. That's what makes our shepherd unique and trustworthy. And now we come to one of the most well-known verses in this familiar psalm. David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is addressing the elephant in the room. Everything, it seems good in this psalm until this verse pops up, and it reminds us that all of us face some dark valleys. The original text never mentions death. It reads more like, even though I walk through the deepest darkness. I'm thankful for how David chooses to word this because death is scary and it seems so final, but it's far from the only dark valley that you and I have to walk through. Some of us have lived through some unthinkable valleys, divorce, abandonment, betrayal, loss of life savings. We could go on and list so many different dark valleys, but here's here's how you know that you're experiencing a dark valley. You can't seem to see your way out of it. It feels like you're going to be there forever, that there's no hope of recovering and finding the path again. But keep in mind that David makes it very clear in his statement, even though I walk through, I walk through, I'm not having to stay here. It's a season and I may not be able to see the end of it, but I know that I'm just passing through. Dr. David Jeremiah shares a story of Donald Barnhouse, who, on the way home with his kids from his wife's funeral, he's looking for a way to comfort those kids. 
and and not being able to find the words. Um, just in that moment, this huge moving van passes by their car, and its shadow sweeps over them. Instantly, he says to his children, he says, children, would you rather be run over by that truck or by that truck's shadow? And the children instantly reply, well, of course, by its shadow, dad, it's a shadow. To which Mr. Barnhouse replied, children, 2,000 years ago, the truck of death ran over the Lord Jesus Christ, but your mommy only had to pass through its shadow. It's hard for me not to get emotional as I hear of that story. Part of my own story is losing both of my parents within three months of each other, both from a a pretty ugly uh, death uh, of cancer, disease. And I can honestly say that in those days, it didn't feel like I was ever going to heal and get through it. But as I reflect back on that season of my life, what I can tell you with honesty is that I never felt the comfort and the closeness of God like I did during those months and those years after. He was indeed a good shepherd leading me through that dark, dark valley. I was never alone. And and he, by his wisdom and his understanding of this world, he brought me through that. And on many occasions, David felt that. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will still have to walk through some valleys, but only their shadow. For you are with the good shepherd And he who keeps his promises has given us his word that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You may feel alone, but he is a man of his word and he will use all his resources, his rod and his staff, and he will lead you through that valley and he will comfort you through everything that he permits you to encounter. That's what a good shepherd does. The next benefit is that the good shepherd prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Here is my most favorite part of this psalm. We've already discussed that Jesus gets out in front of us and he leads us to green pastures and and quiet still waters. It's what he does. And David knew that as a shepherd in Israel, good grass was sometimes hard to find, and a shepherd would have to lead his sheep until he found some good green pastures. And those rookie shepherds, uh, they would see some good grass, and they would run the sheep down there, and they'd let them eat. Uh, But a good shepherd knew that there were often these adders, these 12 to 18 inch long snakes that would wait under the surface of the green grass for a rookie shepherd to make the mistake of bringing his sheep down there. And as they ate, they would come out and bite the nose of the sheep, killing them. A good shepherd knew better. He would see the green grass, and knowing that there could potentially be an enemy there, he would bed the sheep down, he would walk to the green grass, look for the snake holes, and then he would cover every single hole with this oil and tar so that the snakes could not come up. They'd, then he'd bring these sheep down and he'd give them the feast. And an unknown to the sheep, they would be eating while their enemy, the snake, tried unsuccessfully to come out and bite them. A table prepared in the presence of their enemy. This is one of those verses where David knew intimately. David's life was an unrelenting battle. In his early years as a shepherd, he was despised by his brothers, most likely because he was anointed king. Remember the story of, of the seven before him going and, 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 and Samuel the prophet said, none of these. Is there another one? And, and they didn't even 
think to invite David to the dinner. Um, but they go and get David and, and Samuel says, yep, this is the one. And so there was definitely some animosity, some jealousy there. And then he lives as a fugitive for like 15 years as he's hunted by King Saul. Saul is jealous. Saul knows that God's anointing is on him and no longer on on him. It, it's on David. Uh, and then he becomes king and he, he inherits a divided kingdom. Uh, there are rival tribes. Uh, we, we, we have to dig to see that in the scriptures, but there, not everybody got in line with David being the king. There were some enemies, there were some some resentments, there were some people that were just alienated from David because of their deep distrust. In later years, David suffered as his family was torn apart by a cycle of abuse, violence, and death, and at one point he even had to flee from his own son who tried to kill him. David knew what it meant to see God setting the table for him, even in the presence of hard times and dark valleys and enemies. The same is true for you and I. They, there is without a doubt an enemy to your story. There's a villain here who wants nothing more, Jesus says in John 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, steal kill, and destroy. Your enemy is, is going to be is, is relentless in trying to destroy who you are. But, but the good shepherd is saying, keep your eyes on me. Watch and see that I can provide for you even in the midst of of this enemy that's constantly trying to hurt you. Watch how I provide. Watch how I protect. That's what the good shepherd does. He did it for David, and he does it for us. As David wraps up this psalm, he makes one more profound statement. He says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this looks good on a Christian t-shirt or a bumper sticker. It's a great saying. But looking at David's life, it's hard to say that David's life was marked with goodness and love every day. As David has shared, even in this psalm, God had to set the table. God had to do that in the presence of his enemies. God had to walk with him through some deep and dark valleys. How does David say that goodness and love follow him all the days? My wife has a nice camera. And it has this lens that allows her to zoom in and snap a picture at a great distance. We can see our children are on the athletic field and, and she can pick them up and get great pictures from a far distance. And David could have done that here. David could have chosen this opportunity to focus in on those, those seasons of hard times, those challenges, those difficult things that he had to walk through. He could have zoomed in and his whole life could have just been about that. But he chooses not to. He chooses instead to reach into his camera bag and he pulls out another kind of lens, the, the wide angle lens, where it allows you to see the whole picture. Nothing is excluded from that. And that's exactly what David is saying here. He says, as I look at my life as a whole, from my birth to, to, to God's walk with me as a, as a young boy, as a shepherd, to his anointing me as king, as to, as to God's ability to, to sustain me while he's bringing about his promises over my life, God's ability to, to put down my enemies and, and, and squash all the challenges and, and to truly walk with me. David is saying that. He says, as I look at my life as a whole, what I see is this. I see God's fingerprints everywhere. And because God has been everywhere, 
I know that I can trust in his promise that, that all the days of my life, I will live in his goodness and his faithfulness. David was not afraid to call the Lord his shepherd. David knew and could see with his eyes and with his life the benefits of putting yourself under the authority of Almighty God, under the watchful eye of the good shepherd, under the care and the love of God over his life. He wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't afraid to see himself as a sheep in need of a shepherd. And as I said before, and this is something that we have to understand as as men, is the enemy is not afraid of us. Nothing about us is he is he is he worried about. He's not worried about our ability to to squash him, to even reject him and walk away from him. He knows what he has in us. But what he is afraid of, he is afraid of those men that have called the Lord their good shepherd, because he knows that Jesus has defeated him, will continue to defeat him, and 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 God will protect those that he calls his own. David wanted to be seen as as one that's under the care and the authority of somebody so loving and so capable as Almighty God. And so as we wrap up this psalm, I want to ask you, do you really understand what it means to call God the Good Shepherd? Have you really truly made that decision to look at him and say, God, if you truly are who you say you are, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you show me the benefits of of yielding my life, my authority, my autonomy? What would it be like if I allowed you to be the good shepherd over me? What would change? And I promise you that if you cry out to God in that way, He says over and over and over again in Scripture, he says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, it'll be given. God is waiting for you to want him. And, and, and he wants to step up and show you that he is the good shepherd that he says that he is. David knew it. My life is marked by his goodness and his faithfulness. And I know so many other men who, who are tough on the outside, but they're, they're tender enough to know that they need the leading of, of their creator. And so they put themselves under the authority of him. And what they know and what they see and what they testify to is that he is faithful and he is good. So let me pray over us. Father God, I thank you that you are who you say you are, that we are marked by your love. We see your faithfulness. We see your fingerprints on everything around us. We know that you are good. We know that you are concerned with our lives, that you're invested, you're interested, and you are capable. So Father God, we do acknowledge that you are the good shepherd. We acknowledge that we live in need of somebody to watch over, to provide, to protect, to show concern for us. And Father God, you are the only one that is that is capable of that. And so we do put our lives under your authority, under your control, under your, your care. And Father, we ask that you would continue to show us our needs need for you, that you would continue to show up in our need for you, and that we would just be these walking testimonies of what it looks like to be under your authority and care. Father, you are good to us, and so we worship you and we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hey guys, thanks again for tuning into the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you're encouraged by God's word and the study of God's word. I hope it's just the beginning of your own journey of searching out God's word and understanding what he says about you and how he loves you and adores you. And I pray that if you have been blessed by this, that you would share it with somebody else, that you'd give us a good rating. And until next time, God bless you. Thank you.